Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, again, good morning, church. Today, I want to share a message with you that I have been praying that would be a a huge encouragement for you today. The title of the message is Dealing with Disappointment. I wonder how many of you have ever been disappointed before? Come on, that response was kind of disappointing. Let's try that again. How many of you have ever been disappointed before, right? Yeah, yeah, we all face disappointments. And really, a lot of life is learning how to deal with the things that we've been dealt to deal with disappointment. That's what we call this dealing with disappointment. So today, we're going to learn how to deal with it. In fact, would you turn to the person sitting next to you, look them in the eye, and say, deal with it. You can tell them, you might be disappointed with who you're sitting next to, but deal with it. (laughs) Learning to deal with disappointment. I heard something a pastor said several years ago that has stuck with me. He said, not every disappointment is a disaster. Not every disappointment is a disaster. And that stuck with me because I don't know about you, maybe you're like me in this, but I have a tendency to overreact to things. Um, Something could happen, I could have a disappointment, and I can overreact and turn that in my own head into a huge disaster. And I could find out that, that someone doesn't like me, and in the theater of my own mind and my emotions, I can turn it into a disaster where now it, I, I'm thinking, well, it, does that mean nobody likes me? How could you not like me, right? Or, or I'll, I'll try to be successful in some area, and we'll start something new, and it won't work, and then I'll think, well, everything's falling apart. I wonder, are you like me that way, where you can turn little disappointments into something that they're not? You can turn them into disasters in the theater of your mind. See, not every disappointment that we face is a disaster. In fact, um, we, we learn from Jesus that the goal in life is not to rid our life of disappointments. The goal in life is to learn how to live with and deal with the disappointments that we face in life. That's why Jesus told us, um, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That you and I in our relationship with God, we're, we're not going to go through a life where we don't have discouragement and disappointment and trouble, but he wants us to learn how to deal with it. Um, really, any time we spend with God, the, the more time we spend with him, what he does is he starts to bring our perspective to a higher place, where you can start to look at situations, not from the angle that you've always looked at it from, but you can start to see your circumstances and your situations from, from the level of his perspective. And in doing that, we, we can start to look at the disappointments we deal with in life a little bit differently. So I want to do that today by taking a look at one of Jesus' teachings, a parable we find in Luke chapter 13 where he's dealing with this issue of disappointment. In fact, there's a lot of parables you've heard Jesus teach. We've talked about the prodigal son, the lost sheep, the lost coin. Those are parables that we talk about a lot more often. This is kind of a little bit more of an obscure parable that we're going to look at today. But really, Jesus is teaching this parable because uh, Jesus is describing to us 
a problem that's taking place. And he's describing to us the disappointment that the Heavenly Father has with the religious system that was taking place because uh, man-made rules and regulations and traditions were, were taking place of the fact and getting in the place of the fact that God wants personal relationship with each person. So Jesus is disappointed with the fact that that, that he's going, it's always been set up that, that God wants relationship with his people. God wants relationship with you. But now there's people telling you that you got to live life this way and follow these rules and these traditions. And, and it's like all of these things were coming in place of being like a middleman between us and God. And, and Jesus was disappointed with this. He was fed up with it. So he said, since I'm disappointed with this, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a parable to understand um, the way that God the Father looks at this, the way that I see this disappointment. And, and what's interesting about this is because we're, we're looking at something that's taking place historically. But as we look at this story, we see how Jesus views disappointment and what he does when he's disappointed. And I believe that you and I have some take home that we can deal with in our own lives. Because as we face disappointment, we can start to handle it the way he wants us to. And we can be so much more successful. So let's look at this story here. We find it, Luke chapter 13, verse 6 says this. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his garden, in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it but did not find any. So let's stop right there. The, there. There's a man who goes out and, and he planted a fig tree with all these other fig trees and he wanted fruit. So he's like, I, I went out to see, uh, I wanted fruit on my fig trees and there's no figs on my fig tree, so I'm upset by this. And I wonder, it, it causes us to ask the question of ourselves as we put ourselves in this story. Have you ever looked at an area of your life where you wanted to see some sort of production? You wanted to see some sort of return and you were disappointed because there was no fruit there? And it could, it could be a lot of different areas. I mean, have you ever invested into a relationship and there was no return on that relationship? Have you ever invested into your health and you get back on the scale and the scale looks the same as it did last month and the month before? It's like, there's no return. It could be frustrating. Like, when you put money into a vending machine and you really want the pork rinds and they fall up against the glass and they're stuck there, it's like, I, I invested and I wanted a return and I didn't get the return. Now I got you. <laughs> Bring pork rinds in and I, I got you. So it's like we, we all have different areas where we've invested into and we want to see return. And, and if you are investing into a relationship or your finances, your health, your job, whatever, and you're not receiving return from it, it can be disappointing. I wonder, have you ever gone to a place where you expected to receive encouragement? You expected to be lifted up. You expected to leave more encouraged and and it didn't happen. It can be so very disappointing. That's, that's the situation that Jesus is talking about here. And, and, and we see he continues on in this parable, verse 7. It's talking about, so a farmer went out to, to a fruit tree, didn't find any fruit, verse 7. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it take up any soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Today we're talking about dealing with disappointment. Would you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, uh, we invite you right now to come into this room and to teach us. We thank you for meeting with us already. And it's my prayer, God, that I wouldn't um, get in the way and I wouldn't distract from your word today, but you would just use me as a, a mouthpiece for the truth that you want to express to us today. Help us, God. I pray that you would lead us right now into what we need to change, what we need to commit to, what we need to focus on so we can understand your love for us so much more, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, there's a couple different ways that you can look at this parable. First, we could look at it from a historical standpoint. That this is talking about the fact that for three years, um, uh, the owner of the field went out and was looking here. Well, there's a comparison there and a parallel because Jesus' ministry took place on earth for three years. And during that three-year period of time, Jesus, what he's actually doing is he's threatening to uproot the entire religious system that, that has, has stopped bearing fruit. They've gotten so into tradition and so into putting middleman between them and God that, that now there's no fruit production. There's no healing. There's no joy. There's no happiness. There's no forgiveness. There, there's no true repentance. So he's, he's threatening there that, that this, this system needs to be flipped over. It needs to be uprooted because it, it, it's not producing the way it should be producing. Historically, we could look at it that way. But I also believe that any time we look into scriptures, we see that the scriptures are active and, and alive for your life and my life today. And that there's a lot we can take from it today if we'll just dive into the story a little bit. So I believe if we look at the different angles of the story, you and I can get some take home. So I want to invite you to, to look at it from a couple different angles. The first angle that we're going to look at today might sound a little bit strange, but I want to invite you to look at it from the angle of the tree. First off, if we look at the angle of the tree, what we see here, picture this now, that there's a vineyard and it's full of trees. And there's one tree in this vineyard that is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's not producing fruit. The rest of the trees in the vineyard, we can automatically make an assumption because if the vineyard owner goes out to a field full of trees and singles out one tree, what we can recognize from that is that one tree is not doing what the other trees are doing. So we know that there's production that's taking place with the other trees. This is the one tree that's not producing fruit that just got singled out. See, the tendency that, that all of mankind has, the tendency that I have, the tendency that if you would admit it, most of us in this room, we'd say, yeah, I can tend to do that, is any time we are not producing fruit, we're not have, making progress, we're not getting the breakthroughs that we want in different areas, what you and I can tend to do is we can start to blame the ground. We can start to say, you know, it's, it's really the environment that I'm in right now. That's why I'm not producing fruit. It's the job place I'm in. It's the economy that I'm in. It's my upbringing. And, and there are so many different things that you and I can bring up as the cause to why we wouldn't be producing fruit. And we say, well, I didn't get the same opportunities other people got. You know, I have a slow metabolism, or I'm not tall enough, and I, I'm not thin enough, and I didn't get the same education this person got. And, and there's so many different reasons that we can try to place as blame and as excuses and place it on the ground that it's because of my environment. That's why I'm not being successful. But the, the humbling part of this parable is if we look at it here, though, that what we're actually finding out is if we were to look around, we would see other trees planted in the same soil, the same environment that are producing fruit. And man, that is a frustrating thing to grab a hold of. It's something that I got to tell you, 
when, when I do this for myself, when I feel like I'm not being productive in an area and I start to play this blame game, you look at this scripture and it causes me to look around and go, wait a minute, there are other people that have the same circumstances I have and they're producing fruit. They're having breakthroughs. They're seeing change. They're making progress. And in fact, if we look at it honestly, I think there's a lot of us that could see people who aren't in the same soil we're in. They haven't been given the same um, uh, blessings that we've been given. They haven't been given the same opportunities we've been given. Their circumstances might not be as good as the circumstances we're in, but yet somehow they're finding a way to produce fruit. You look at someone and recognize that they don't have the same financial means you do, but somehow uh, they, they are producing the fruit of generosity and they're trusting God and they're helping other people. Or, or you look at them and say, well, the, they haven't been given the same opportunities as where it comes to your education and, and stuff like that, but you're going, they're, they're doing so much with it and it causes us to look at ourselves and go, it, it's painful to do, but maybe this, what this does is it takes away my excuses. I believe that that's one of the things that Jesus is showing us when he, when he shares this parable with us, this teaching with us, is it, it's one tree that's not producing fruit. And I wonder, is, is there some area of your life where you want to see fruit production? You want to see change, you want to see growth, but, but maybe we're not seeing the growth because we're, we're trying to blame the ground. We're, we're trying to, to look at all the other reasons why, why we're not producing fruit. See, this teaching from Jesus takes all those excuses away. See, in this parable, it is obvious that there's nothing wrong with the ground. There, every one of us have to come to some point in our life if we want to move forward and we want to see change in our life and, and work through disappointments and heartbreaks is, is that we have to get to the point where we're going, I'm, I'm going to stop blaming my circumstances. I'm going to stop blaming the ground because I want to see some change happen in my life. See, when I look into my life personally, it's kind of embarrassing how often I, I see other people who've been dealt less than I have, and yet they're doing so much more with it. In fact, I, I remember listening to a T.D. Jakes message one time when I was getting up in the morning, and he asked a question that shook me. He said, you know, uh, would someone else be able to take what you have and do more with it? And man, like, that, that doesn't sit well. You know, that's, that's not friendly. Yay, happy church time, but... But man, I think we, we need to ask those type of questions because I believe that that's something as we look into this story that Jesus is teaching us. That as his followers, we have to be people that are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to have excuses to why I can't produce fruit. I'm going to find a way to produce fruit no matter what. And that's, something that, that's an attitude we see from the Apostle Paul. In his walk with Jesus, he got that type of tenacious attitude. It doesn't matter what I'm facing, I'm going to produce fruit. He says this in Philippians 4. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. He's saying it doesn't matter what the circumstances, I'm going to find a way to produce fruit. As we look at this story from the angle of the tree, I wonder if we need to look at our lives and ask ourselves the question, are we making excuses for why we're not being productive in certain areas of our life. Another way that we can look at this story is through the angle and the perspective of the vineyard owner. Because the vineyard owner, it, he says this, he says, you have one more year to produce fruit, then I'm gonna cut the tree down. Let me ask you a question. Is there an area of your life that you need to put a timeline on? 
You need to say, because he said, one more year, we're going to see change. I'm not going to just go around this issue over and over and over again. I want to see change in my life. So you got a timeline now. One year, and there's going to be a growth of fruit. So he set a goal, and he put a timeline. I wonder if it's time for us to start putting goals and timelines on areas, where we don't just sit back and look at our vineyard and hope, I hope that I'll start seeing change in my life. I hope that I'll start being more patient and more loving and more kind. I hope that these things will happen. No, he's saying, we're going to get active. We're going to put a timeline on it. So once this happens, we, we see that uh, th- there's this attitude of saying, okay, then if we're going to put a timeline, there's a couple things we got to do. And the manager over the crop says, okay, I'm going to do two different things so we can start to see fruit production in our life. Two different things where we're looking at an area and we're disappointed. This is how we're going to turn it around. The first thing he says is the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to dig around it. I'm going to dig around this tree. In other words, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. I wonder, is there something in your life that's not producing that, that maybe we need to dig into a little bit deeper? Is there something that you would say, like, I've been trying, I've been trying, but deep down inside, you know, you, you haven't been fully committed to seeing change. You haven't been fully committed to seeing growth. Is it time to dig a little bit deeper? Some area of maybe your relationships or, or your finances or your health, where you've looked at it for so long and you want to see change, is it time to dig deeper? See, if you need wisdom, I wonder if it's time to start digging deeper into God's word to receive wisdom. If you need health, I wonder if it's time to start digging deeper into your, your commitments of self-discipline in order to be able to take care of yourself. See, one example of this might be um, that a lot of us want happiness. We want joy. And in fact, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just side note, I love every time I read the fruits of the Spirit, I could hear people like quoting it back. It's like, because this is something that so many of us, we've studied. We, We want this. We want these things in our life. Well, what if what you want in your life is joy? I want there to be the fruit of happiness in my life. That's what I want. It Well, for so many of us, we've tried to find different ways to produce fruit on a surface level. And we say, well, maybe I could do this and that'll make me happy. And I'll, I'll try this class and that'll make me happy. And I'll try th- this group and that'll, that'll make me happy. Where sometimes what we get from this teaching, what we got to do is dig a little bit deeper to find out why is it joy is not growing in my life. Because if we dig a little bit deeper and we allow God to start exposing things in our life and we say, God, what's really going on on the inside of me? God might start to show you, well, maybe there's something going on at the root level. As we get dig, dig deeper down into the roots, maybe you start to have exposed to you that maybe there's some bitterness going on in your life. There's some unforgiveness. There's some frustration that hasn't been dealt with. And then you can start to see, wait a minute, if that's going on on the inside of me, of course I'm not producing joy. So digging deeper is a commitment to say, I, I'm going to do the hard work. I'm going to get in there. I want to find out what's really going on in me. The psalmist writes this. It was David wrote in Psalms 139. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What is David saying? He's saying, God, I'm willing to do the hard work. 
I want to dig deeper into why I'm not being productive. So is there any offensive way in me? Is there anything ugly going on in my life? Because I want to see change. God, expose it to me. What this is is a commitment to say, you know what? I'm not going to just look at my circumstances versus other people's circumstances. That doesn't matter. God, what's going on in me? And digging a little bit deeper there might mean that we need to do a little bit of the work. we got to read some books. we got to get in some small groups, get some accountability around us. Maybe get a, a counselor or a therapist, but start working through some of the issues of what's taking place on a deeper level. So the first thing the, the, vine, the vineyard manager says, he says, okay, then the first thing I'm going to do to this tree is I'm going to dig around it. And then I love the second thing. He says, I'm going to fertilize it. So first I'm going to dig around it, then I'm going to fertilize it. And I like this because I grew up in a small church, and uh, at the time we used what was the King, called the King James Version Bible. And it's a little bit more colorful language in the King James Version Bible. It says, I'm going to dig around it, and then I'm going to dung it. I'm going to dig it, and then I'm going to dung it. So much more colorful, because the picture here we get is that the vineyard owner is saying, what's going to be helpful to this tree is that it's exposed to something that's not that desirable, (laughs) right? Maybe some stuff is going to get placed on this tree that it doesn't really want, because if you stop for a moment and you think about the composition and the smell and the origin of dung, it's not a pretty picture, right? But what is the vineyard owner saying? He's saying sometimes it takes something that's not as desirable to be placed in your life in order to be able to to produce the fruit that we do desire. And that means sometimes we might be complaining about the very thing that God is using to produce fruit in our lives. How many times have you felt like you've been dung on, right? Like, I think every one of us, if we were honest, we have, we have problems that happen in so many different areas of our life. You can feel like you're dung on at work. You could feel like you're dung on at your house, in your relationships, whatever you, I know there's so many, there's times in my life I have felt like everywhere I look in my life, I'm like, I'm just sitting in a big heaping pile of it right now, you know? And, and sometimes we feel that way and we can get discouraged to go, why is this happening? We start complaining about our circumstances. God, why would you let this happen? God, how did you let this happen? All the while, I wonder if God's just trying to produce fruit in our life. See, James had a perspective that was at a higher level as he spent time with God. He started to see that God sometimes allows things in our lives that aren't that desirable in order to produce fruit in our life. And this is what he says in James 1, verse 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that it is the testing of your faith that produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you... It may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, anything. See, your difficulties might actually be the fertilizer that you need in order to be able to grow. Man, that, that's not necessarily the, the, the happiest idea either, right? It's probably why this is a parable that gets skipped over so many times is because it's one that causes us to look at what's really going on in our life and instead of just patting ourselves on the back and going, ah, I feel better, Because it causes us to go, maybe some of what's going on in my life is because I need to dig a little bit deeper. And maybe some of what's going on in my life is because I'm not producing fruit. And maybe this difficulty that I'm going through is going to be the fertilizer that will help me produce the fruit that I so desperately want. 
It's going to expose things and change things in me and develop things in me so that I can become the type of person that I've always wanted to be. That's why I believe it is that, that Paul warns us sometimes about that we got to be careful about what we pray for. There's a warning in Scripture, be careful about praying for patience. Because if you pray for patience, what are you going to have to face, right? Something that is going to cause you to have to be patient. So uh, there's a lot of times we got to look at what we're actually praying for and say, you know, because we've got, God, I want to be someone of faith. I want to be able to stand up no matter what the storm, what the trial. I want to be able to stand up no matter what the circumstances. And, and we pray things like that, and then, then God comes up next to us with his wheelbarrow. He goes, okay, and we're like, what are you doing with that? <laughs> I didn't want to go through difficulty I didn't want there to be a struggle. I didn't want there to be pain. What are you doing with that, God? And he's saying, sometimes it's the fertilizer that we have to face in life in order to be able to cause us to grow and change to the next level. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God just does bad things and sends you through bad circumstances. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is sometimes God will allow the difficulties of life to dung on you because it's the very thing that will help you start to produce fruit. See, I wanted to share this with you today because uh, I believe that there are many of you in our church, many of you in your life right now, that on the inside what's really going on is deep levels of frustration. Because like... You want to see change. You want to see success. You're seeing other people be successful around you. And, and you want there to be development in your life. And we get frustrated because we're like, why am I going back to the same areas of my life over and over and over again? And I'm reaching out, hoping to see fruit. And yet again, there's no fruit. Well, I want to encourage you today because Jesus knew that every one of us would go through seasons where we feel this way. We go through seasons where, where we need to address what's going on in our life so that we can grow and change because he wants to develop us. He wants us to be uh, people who are happy and joyful and able to, to handle the fruit that he so desperately wants to give you. So I want to encourage you today that if that's you, if you are dealing with disappointment, you're dealing with struggles, and you, you want to see change in your life, that this may be a season for you to dig a little bit deeper, to dig deeper. And I want to encourage you to start making the commitment to saying, you know what, this is going to be a season where I'm not going to compare myself to other people, but I'm going to just ask God, what is it that you want to change in me? Let's go down to the root issues. What, what do I need to work on? What do I, where do I need to grow here? Maybe you're in a season where, where you're being dung on a little bit. And maybe this is where it comes to us asking God for a new perspective because maybe you're complaining about the very thing that God can use to change you. Maybe you're complaining about the very work environment and the very health issue and the very struggle in that relationship with your children. That is the very thing God can use to strengthen you and help you grow to so much better of a level. So we've got to look at these types of things and say, okay, uh, it, it, then it's time for work. It's time for me to not just sit back and hope the tree will grow. It's, it's time to work. That's why we see in this passage that this season, if you find yourself in disappointment, this season is a season for patient urgency. Now, I know, I understand. Those are different things. Why would you say patient urgency? It doesn't even make sense. Well, both patience and urgency are at work in this chapter, in this story. Because we see, first off, there, there's patience from the vineyard manager. He's saying, no, 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 give us one more year. 
This has been planted here. It can produce fruit. We've got to be patient with it. And I wonder how many of us, we need to look at our lives as well and see that, that maybe we're giving up on things that God is planting in our life and we're giving up on it too quick. Now, maybe we walk away from, from our, our job before we should walk away from it. Maybe we're walking away from our marriage before we should ever give up on it. And, and maybe we got to look at the different areas of our life and go, it's, it's time for me to be patient, but be tenacious about it. Like, I'm not going to just give up on it because I see that there's, there's an opportunity for me to grow, an opportunity for me to change. I can be healthy. I can be happy, so I'm not going to give up on it. There's got to be a patience there, but there also has to be an urgency. Because the vineyard owner says, all right, you got one year. We're putting a timeline on it. We're putting a goal on it, and this is why. This is valuable ground. And your life is valuable ground. You don't have time for everything. Because this is the thing we need to understand is, is we are a limited resource. You are a limited resource. See, we come to church and we hear about how great and unlimited our God is, and that is true. He is unlimited, but you are limited. You only have so many hours in the day. You only have so much time and so much energy. So we can't be giving our time to things that don't produce fruit. And that might mean there, there might need to be things in our life that we need to uproot. And say, so you know what? I'm going to stop going to these places I've been going to. I'm going to stop investing into these things that have not been producing anything because I only have so much time and so much energy, so I'm going to put it into what God would want me to in my life. See, I feel like in this passage we, we see Jesus teaching us something because he wants every one of us to understand that when we deal with disappointment and we want to see changes happen, it's, it takes action steps. It's not just sitting back hoping, but we got to get active with it. And it all starts with talking to God. So I want to invite you right now to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to give you just kind of the beginning of the homework of what this passage calls us to do. Because this parable that Jesus teaches us shows us that our life is like a vineyard. And that in a vineyard, you're either, you're either growing or you're fading away. And it's so important that we recognize that because what God wants for each and every one of us in our lives is that we would be growing. So I want to ask you right now to take just a moment in your own words, make it personal. Talk to God right now and ask him three questions. Ask him the first question, where do you want me to dig, God? Where do you want me to dig? Just ask him that in your own words. Is there some area in my life where I need to dig a little bit deeper, where I need to commit more, I need to do the hard work? If I was honest with myself, uh, I've said I was committed to it, but I haven't been 100% committed to it. Ask him that. Ask him, where do you want me to dig? And then ask him the second question. What difficulties do you want me to look at differently? Have I been complaining about something, God, that, that you've allowed to happen in my life because you want it to help me grow? Help me to see things with a different perspective. And then ask him the third question. What do you want me to uproot? so that I'm not wasting any of my good ground? Is there anything in my life I need to get rid of because I just don't have the time or energy to waste my time with something that's not gonna help me grow in my relationship with God? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that, God, you knew that we're gonna go through times of disappointment and discouragement, and you didn't want that to be a stopping place for us. In fact, you want us to keep growing and keep moving through it. So thank you for this teaching. 
And I pray that, God, you would help us. You would help us to be the type of people that do the work, that we get digging and we, we look at things differently and we trust you in whatever circumstances we're going through because, God, we want to be the type of people that you can place fruit in our lives and that we could be uh, kind and happy and joyful and peaceful. God, all these good things. So thank you for each and every person here. I pray as we leave here today, we would be encouraged by you and we would be, God, dependent on you, that we would lean into you and we, we would ask for your help this whole week and that, God, you would provide that help and change us. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Love you guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In fact, you can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me if you haven't already done so. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And thank you, God, for that fact. I ask that you now be my savior to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer for any reason, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or on the web at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.